This week on Blue 58, the Packers revamped their defense this offseason, or did they? Let's take a second and break down where the defense stands after free agency, the draft, undrafted free agency, and a month of speculation. Let's speculate some more, shall we? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Had some very good personal news today. Been in the ongoing process of looking for a house, and that is, well, we're not quite there yet, but it is moving forward. But uh, enough about me. How are you doing? I know we spent a lot of this podcast talking about me and uh, my personal issues over the past eight months or so. Take a second. Tell me about yourself. How are things going? Well, I am very glad to hear that, or saddened to hear that, in which case, please reach out and tell me how things are going so we can talk about them a little bit more. This is weird. Let's move on to the defense. Last week, we talked about the Packers' offense and how a lot of the offense is already set. Most teams are not reworking their roster throughout the entire offseason. Generally, after a, a week or two after the draft, things are mostly settled down. You'll see a couple additions here and there. Generally, because of an injury, especially unfortunate injuries during OTAs and all the non-contact stuff during the offseason. Once you get to training camp, things happen. Um, injuries happen, stuff like that, and guys will get picked up or dropped or shuffled around and stuff like that. But the real roster-building stuff is mostly done. So I think we can take a good shot at predicting what's going to happen with the Packers' defense having done the offense last week. Spoiler alert, much like the offense last week, the defense is going to be mostly set already. Uh, things things are, are sorted out here. We've got the defense pretty much as it's going to be right now. Uh, but like the offense, we'll break the defense down into four different categories. We've got the locks, the guys we think are for sure going to make the roster, the good bets, the guys who are in trouble, and the wild cards. Uh, we broke those levels down sort of by percentage. Locks, 100% chance they will be on the roster. Good bets. Uh, on the plus side of 50-50, in trouble. On the, the bad side of 50-50. And wild cards, honestly, could go either way. Sound good? Good. The locks. There are a lot of them, even more, I think, than on offense. 14 players I would categorize as locks to make the roster on defense, which is surprising in a way for a defense that last year I think was um, bad, to be honest. Um, but if we're trying to spin it, you know, being the marketing person that I am in real life, uh, as positively as we can, uh, let's say unsettled a little bit. I had a lot of uncertainty at a lot of positions due to injury and some other question marks. For a defense as unsettled as the Packers were last year, there is a surprising amount of guys who are pretty much, I think, guaranteed roster spots. Let's look at these guys quick by position group, more or less. Uh, on the defensive line, four guys I think are stone-cold locks to be on the roster. Mike Daniels, Muhammad Wilkerson, Kenny Clark, and Dean Lowry. Those first three should are no-brainers. Of course, Mike Daniels is a lock. Of course, Muhammad Wilkerson is. Of course, Kenny Clark is. And Dean Lowry, I think most people would agree he played a big enough role last year, and he's got the physical attributes that make him a valuable contributor on multiple spots along the line, so he's almost certainly in. I like Dean Lowry a lot. I think he's kind of a being, and that makes me laugh, so he gets extra points for me. He looks like 
he looks like a, a refrigerator with the freezer on the bottom. Very long on top, very short on the bottom. Long torso, short legs. That fumble return he had for a touchdown last year was hilarious. Just sprinting down the field on his stubby little but still very large legs. I mean, he is six foot six for all, you know, <laughs> for that matter. So little, I guess, is a pretty relative turn. But I don't think any real surprises among that group on the defensive line. Linebackers, Blake Martinez, a lock. Mike Pettin seems to like him a lot already. A young player on the rise. Packers have precious few of these guys on defense. He is one of them. I don't know where his ceiling is. I suspect he's sort of beginning to approach the ceiling of where he is as a player. He's not a tremendous athlete, but he'll be good and assignment sure probably for a decade in the NFL as long as he can maintain the, the I don't want to say suspect because he tested fairly well, but you know, he's, he's not a, a mind-blowing athlete either to the extent that anybody who's a professional athlete is not a mind-blowing athlete. You know what I mean. He's not going to wow anybody with his testing numbers. If he can maintain that level of athleticism, I think he has a long and productive NFL career. Outside linebacker, edge rusher types, uh, Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, for sure. Obviously, they are locks. Neither one is anybody's favorite right now, though I still don't always understand the pushback against Matthews. He's still a pretty good pass rusher, and I know the sack numbers aren't what people want them to be, but he is getting to the quarterback a lot. Neither of these guys is going anywhere, no matter what you think about them. Even the cap savings that you could have by cutting one or both of these guys, it just is not going to be realized at this point. Uh, what is the advantage to clearing up cap space in May or June or July? There is none, unless you are really going to back up the truck for, for Aaron Rodgers. And again, I don't think the Packers really are going to destroy their cap uh, just for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Oren Burks shifting back to the inside. I think he's a, a he's a lock. Third round picks just don't get cut in Green Bay unless he is really bad. And he would have to be bad to get cut because they have had third round picks. Kyrie Thornton comes to mind. Play well at all in the preseason and, and managed to at least stick around for a year. Uh, shifting towards the back end of the defense. Four cornerbacks I think are, think are locks. You've got Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, to no one's surprise. Kevin King as well. And then Tremont Williams. I think there are pretty obvious reasons why none of these guys are going to get cut. If there is one of the four who, whose position is a little more uncertain, is probably Tremont Williams, but I don't see him getting cut unless he shows up and can't run at all. And the way that he takes care of himself and the things that he's done in his career to date... I, I just don't see a lot of reason why he would he would get the axe unless he is he's really, really bad. But for right now, I think he's as close to a lock as you can be in the secondary. At safety, two locks here. Haha Clinton Dix and Josh Jones. As Clay Matthews and Nick Perry are to the front seven, so haha Clinton Dix and Josh Jones are to the back end of the defense. Nobody's favorite got a lot of potential both of them neither uh, Clinton Dix not as good as he was a couple years ago like Matthews and Josh Jones is more athleticism and potential than he is performance though he was good for a couple games last year the Cincinnati game last year was really really something to watch and uh, it it was fun to see him play like that I think they're going to need a little bit more of that Uh, that's going to have to be the rule more than the exception um, if he's going to get some serious burn in 2018. The good bets are uh, are six, six of them, uh, starting with Montrevious Adams up front. 
It would be odd to see him get cut, but I can't envision a situation where it could happen. He's a little bit like Ty Montgomery on offense. Uh, He's got a lot of potential. Not really sure what you do with him, and he's been more injury than production at this point. But he was very well regarded at the start of the season last year. Got a lot of respect from some veteran players. So I think there's a, a really good chance he makes the roster, and I don't really see a lot of reason why he wouldn't, because it always pays to have a lot of good defensive linemen around. Uh, also, in the front seven, both Vince Beagle and Reggie are good bets to make the roster here. The Packers need big jumps from both of these guys. We learned this offseason that Vince Beagle's foot issues were a little bit more extensive than we were initially perhaps led to believe. He actually had surgery on both of his feet last year, which sounds like a just fantastic thing for a guy who has to run around and, you know, push big heavy guys out of the way all the time. You love those foot injuries. Want to have as many of them as you can. And that certainly is not going to be something that lingers for the duration of his career. Knocking on wood with every single one of these words. Reggie Gilbert, I think it's put up or shut up time. Uh, we've heard for years now, literally years, that uh, he was just so close to a breakout. Uh, well, now it's got to happen. He's like the modern day version of, of uh, Desmond Bishop. Uh, you know, he looks great in training camp. The rave reviews are there. And then he's buried either on the practice squad or way out on the depth chart for the entire season. Just, yeah, it's time for him to put it together. Uh, also at linebacker, the inside variety, Jake Ryan. The Packers would probably love for someone to take Jake Ryan's job to make him expendable. Uh, he's sort of like um, Don Barkley was for years. For years, I said, the Packers would love it if somebody could just make Don Barkley expendable because he wasn't a great athlete. He was good but not great at a lot of things, and you know you would love to have a little bit higher upside uh, at that position, that sort of swing lineman. Jake Ryan is much the same way. Uh, I don't think anybody has a lot of serious, real problems with Jake Ryan. He's largely fine as a player, but you're probably hoping for a little bit better than fine. And uh, if someone could be better than fine, the Packers would probably love to phase Jake Ryan out because he is a little bit limited athletically. At safety, uh, Kentrell Bryce and Marwin Evans. Uh, Both of these two are kind of um, yin and yang a little bit. Bryce, the springy, rangy athlete. Marwin Evans, a little bit thicker, more built. Both came in as undrafted free agents in the Uh, I think there's a lot of upside for both of these guys, but neither of them have really shown it very consistently so far in their careers. You will also notice that I didn't include any cornerbacks among my good bets here, and that is for good reason. We'll we'll explain that all in just a little bit. But uh, I don't think there are any guys that that are good bets. There's a lot of question marks among the cornerbacks. Once you get past those four guys who are all all but guaranteed roster spots. So now we get to the guys that are that are in trouble. And I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on these guys because most of them are guys that are going to be, you know, more or less camp bodies. You, you would love it if, uh, if you could get something out of them, but it's, it's not really clear what they even have, have to offer. So uh, we'll start with uh, with a few guys who are fun names, but that's about it. Filippo Mocofisi, Greer Martini, and Raven Green. Raven Green sounds like somebody out of Harry Potter, and you would think 
okay, that's a bit much, even if you read their name in a Harry Potter book. I love all these guys just for name value alone. I don't see any of them really making much much of an impact so far, or not so, well, so far, obviously, because they haven't had much opportunity to make any kind of impact so far this season. But um, I don't see a lot of them really making much noise uh, once we get towards training camp and, and all that. So um, just be aware of them. Uh, don't hold out a whole lot of hope. Connor Sheehy, local guy, Wisconsin product. I think this is about as far as the story goes. Nashawn Hughes, uh, he looks the part of a pass rusher. Um, the performance really hasn't matched the measurables to date so far. Chris Odom. Uh, I think Chris Odom's in trouble. Um, and I, I don't like saying that because I like Chris Odom a lot. Uh, we I want to spend a little bit of extra time on Chris Odom because we did a pretty in-depth, more in-depth than, than you would expect of his season for our season in review series. Uh, he's an interesting story because you really have to consider the circumstances in which he was acquired uh, as part of the evaluation of Chris Odom and how he played last year. So Chris Odom gets picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Atlanta Falcons. He was cut in the last wave of roster cuts by the Falcons, and it seemed like they were trying to sneak him through, like they were going to bring him back because he's one of those guys that played the hand on the ground 4-3 defensive end in college and was switching to the 3-4 two-point stance outside linebacker style edge rusher in the pros. Those guys take a little bit of time to develop. But given the way the Packers acquired him by claiming him on waivers, and because of the interest that he had in Atlanta, they really had no choice but to keep him on the active roster all season. They liked what he could do, but if they tried to get him on their practice squad, chances are somebody else, probably the Falcons, was going to snatch him up. Reggie Gilbert spoke a lot last season about how it, it took him almost a full year to get out of the mindset of playing like defensive end and switching to playing like an outside linebacker, like an edge rusher. Odom didn't get the opportunity to do that on the practice squad. He had to do that on the active roster. He didn't have the luxury to make that transition slowly. He had to do it fast, week in, week out, and he really probably didn't belong on the active roster last year. Not just on the Packers active roster, but probably anybody's. He needed some time to develop, and I think he would say that. He, he was learning a completely new position, and it, he looked utterly lost out there sometimes. But this is a new era in Green Bay, and I don't think you're going to see guys get the chance to spend two or three years developing as they have in the past. Brian Gutekunst has made a plain that he wants competition on the roster, and giving guys time to develop is not really conducive with being competitive week in and week out. All that to say, I like Chris Odom a lot. I like his story. I like his athletic measurables. I like his size. I would be concerned if I was a, a leading member of the Chris Odom fan club, which I guess I have supposed, uh, sort of uh, identified myself as, as being a part of here. Uh, moving right along through the rest of these guys who are, are more or less in trouble here. Uh, Marcus Porter, uh, a small-ish linebacker. Um, I don't have much to say about Marcus Porter other than that he's currently listed as being 17 years old on Packers.com, and I don't 
think that is accurate. Uh, Ahmad Thomas also uh, in the troublesome side just because of uh, the nature of his game. Uh, like Marcus Porter, uh, sort of undersized guy, six feet tall, a former college safety, moving to linebacker in the pros, um, and that's fine. Uh, he'll probably make some plays. He'll probably make some some you know exciting, splashy plays in training camp and stuff. But he, at the end of the day, he's six feet tall and two hundred thirty pounds. You really can't get by with a lot of those on your roster at linebacker. Quentin Rollins. Quentin Rollins makes me sad because I see a lot of people beating up on Quentin Rollins, and it's not entirely fair. He didn't ask to be made a second-round pick just a couple years after switching from basketball to football, and he didn't necessarily get the fairest of shakes in Green Bay. Um, in some parts, the situation with injuries uh, in his second year, and then a, a torn Achilles in his third year, and in some instances through you know the nature of the guy who was coordinating the defense for most of his time as a pro so far. Quentin Rollins seems like a real nice guy. Uh, he seems like he's pretty well-adjusted young man to navigating the world of professional football, and you just wonder if he really has the athletic ability to get by as a sort of press man corner in the NFL because he's he's willing to do it. He's aggressive. Uh, he's uh, he's strong, well built. You like a lot of the the physical attributes that he has, but he just doesn't seem fast enough or quick enough to really get the job done. And he got put in some bad situations during his time in Green Bay, and that is not entirely fair. I wish things had gone better for Quentin Rollins, but I think we're we're just about at the end here. It's just so hard to come back from a torn Achilles, even if you had great speed to begin with. Quentin Rollins did not before the injury, and it's hard to imagine him after the injury. Much the same, Dimitri Goodson. Last year, a very nice story. Uh, made it all the way back from a horrific, horrific knee injury. Uh, if you look into the details of the kind of the injury that he had, for all intents and purposes, it was just the skin holding his top leg to his bottom leg. Uh, I mean, you hear about how horrific Teddy Bridgewater's knee injury was. This one was almost as bad. He tore almost every ligament you can possibly tear in your knee and still have the top half of your leg connected to the bottom half of your leg. That he was able to get back within a year and be close to being active for games is incredible. And he should be absolutely commended for that. As far as making the roster for the Packers, though, in 2018, I think that is a long shot, especially given the amount of bodies ahead of him on the depth chart. I mean, just counting draft picks and free agent signings. I mean, you've got Alexander, Jackson, King, Tremont Williams, Devon House, I guess we can count his free agent signings. He's sixth on the depth chart already. The undrafted guys uh, who were on the roster last year. So it's I think it's a big ask to get him to uh, to a roster spot this year. The wild cards. These are the guys that I think could go either way. I almost put this first one under in trouble, but I think he's got a, enough athletic gifts that it's it's interesting and you have to at least see what he can do one more time. Kyler Fackrell. I still don't know what to make of this guy, but it is put up or shut up time for him. 
he's he's big. He's got arms like an albatross. Uh, he can run like a, a deer. Um, but he's not done anything, at least not regularly. Uh, he, he's been a glorified special teams player, and they should have seen more out of him um, by this point. It's He's an absolute wild card for me, and I think in the right situation, he could be great. But he hasn't been so far, and uh, it's it's got to be now or never. Uh, Tyler Lancaster, um, I won't spend a lot of time talking about him, but he's a fun prospect to watch. Uh, he looks like a polar bear, and if he can play with anything resembling um, what you would expect from a guy with his kind of athletic gifts, I think the Packers may have another steal here on the defensive line. But we'll see. Along those same lines, no pun intended, uh, along the same line, I guess literally, defensive line, James Looney, the Packers' seventh-round pick out of Cal, he is as athletic as they come for a guy his size. You didn't really see a whole lot of production, but it never hurts to have big strong fast guys around and uh if he can translate any of that athleticism into playing i think they've got another great gem in the seventh round linebacker paris bennett is an interesting story to me uh six feet tall 230 some pounds uh kind of a miniature oren burks is he a safety is he a linebacker you don't really know, but the difference between those two positions is getting smaller in the NFL, and he'll be pretty fun to watch. Uh, he lights people up, hits hard. Uh, he's an aggressive player, and he better be at only six feet tall. The size is a question mark, but um, he's the sort of guy that you just look to turn loose on special teams and see what he can do. Maybe he turns out to be something special. Uh, much the same, uh, and this name will be familiar to you, but Kendall Donerson, uh, I think, is the reason that we should start an award that we give annually to a player that sounds the most like a tech startup. You see, every year, you know, there's some new tech company on the block, and they always have uh, their their corporate motto or manifesto or something is almost always something along the lines of the old Silicon Valley saying of move fast and break stuff, you know. We don't really know exactly what our mission is about, but we're, we're really going to hit hard and we're going to be agile and really kind of try to shake things up and be a disruptor. Guys like Kendall Donerson are that. You don't really know what he does. You don't really know what he's going to be, but he can move fast and he can probably break stuff. He can run a 4-4-40 at you know, 250 pounds. That's interesting. Do you know what he's going to be as a football player? Absolutely not. But this seems like the wildest of wild cards to me. Could be fun. Uh, very similar sort of player, C.J. Johnson. Uh, this guy is Mr. Measurables with a capital M, but he also played Division Three football. Uh, I also played something very similar to Division Three football, and I didn't do it nearly as well as C.J. Johnson does. Uh, and it's interesting. I would much rather give a guy like Johnson who is big and strong and fast and, and can do all the things that you want a professional football player to do, a shot to make the leap from D3 to the NFL than a guy like Joe Callahan, who's just going to take up a roster spot as a third quarterback for two years. I'm going to let the Joe Callahan go situation go at some point. Not just yet. Someday I will, though. I will get over that. we got to talk about defensive backs here for a second. Because there are a bunch of wild cards at cornerback. 
Devon House, Donatello Brown, Josh Hawkins, Lindsey Pickens, and Herb Waters. Each of them has their own unique attributes. House is not a great player, uh, and that is not a surprise to anybody. Um, but he is solid and dependable, and you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. Being a known commodity is not always a bad thing in the NFL. If people know who you are and that they can count on you, that more often than not is going to work in your favor. Donatello Brown has a great size-speed combination. Big, thick guy for a defensive back. And if he can put it together, uh, he could be an interesting prospect. Josh Hawkins can run like nobody's business. Um, He has very similar measurables to Sam Shields. Um, and I think that's always a point in your favor because Sam Shields is one of the more athletic defensive backs we've seen in Green Bay in quite some time. Lindsey Pipkins actually got some playing time on the active roster last year, which is something a lot of these other guys can't really say. Even Devon House, for that matter, um, did not always get a, a whole lot of playing time on defense. And Herb Waters has managed to stick around despite, A, switching from wide receiver to defensive back on the fly once his NFL career has already started and B, being injured for most of that time. Uh, The Packers must really see something in him because he keeps getting opportunities. Finally, the last wild card is Jermaine Whitehead. Um, He got a lot of playing time ahead of guys like Donatello Brown, Hawkins, and Pipkins. The guys that you think you would think would be getting some sort of opportunity to play in the defensive backfield. He played a little bit of slot corner. He played a little bit of safety. The coaches seem to like him a lot, and they seem to trust him a lot. So uh, things could go either way for him. The Packers really didn't do a whole lot as far as safeties this offseason, despite my pleading for them to sign a guy like Eric Reed. So Whitehead seems to have an opportunity, uh, even with guys ahead of him, like uh, Kentrell Bryce and Marwin Evans. You never know, and that versatility is a point in his favor. Stepping back, having gone through these categories, having looked at every guy on the roster so far, I think it's interesting that we've got essentially 20 spots on the defensive side of the ball all but accounted for already. And most of those 20 spots are filled by guys who were here and playing for Dom Capers. Mike Pettin is going to have to change this defense around, turn this defense around, get more performance out of this defense with essentially the same pieces that Dom Capers had last year. People liked, I think, to play it both ways during the Dom Capers era. It was the Packers' fault for not having any good players on defense, but it was also Dom Capers' fault for not using those players right. Or even if Dom Capers managed to get some kind of success on defense, uh, it still doesn't matter because all the guys were bums. Or if the Packers drafted somebody highly on defense, like Kevin King or Josh Jones or anybody they put on defense, oh, it doesn't matter because Capers is just going to be a bum. What do you want? Unless you take out all everybody on defense. Just get rid of absolutely everyone and start from scratch. Sign free agents, draft players, whatever. Replace your literal entire defense. There's going to have to be some continuity and even coaches from one group to the next. We were in the Capers era. 
Now we're in the Pettin era. But we're not really starting from scratch. Most of these guys were around last year and the year before that, and even the year before that. It's going to be interesting to see how much of a change Pettin can really make uh, with this group of guys that is largely unchained from some of the the poor defenses we've seen in Green Bay over the years. I think there's reason to be optimistic because of the injections of talent that the Packers have had at a couple key positions. They've gotten better at their best position on defense, the defensive line, and they've put a lot more resources again towards fixing that cornerback spot. That could go a long way towards helping things even out a little bit on defense. We will see. While I've got you here, for the last time, I would like to talk about Des Bryant. We haven't really talked about Mr. Bryant as he relates to the receivers on the Packers roster before. And I only bring this up again because Jason Winton stoked the, the flames one more time when he said that Bryant seems to make sense for the Packers. And he actually predicted about as softly as you can that Bryant would end up in Green Bay. The outcry was somewhat predictable from Packers fans when we brought it up again on our Facebook page and to a lesser extent uh, on our Twitter account talking about it again. We don't want this guy. He's going to be a head case, blah, blah, blah. He's not even that good anymore. I think to kind of put a bow on this entire discussion, we are, we're kind of missing the point here. The, the real question is not, is Des Bryant as good as he used to be? Can he be better than Jordy Nelson was last year? The real question is, is Des Bryant going to be better than Geronimo Allison? Because right now, Allison is in line to be the Packers' number three receiver. How do we know that? Well, two reasons. First, the Packers use three receivers almost literally all the time. They use the the personnel grouping called 11 personnel. Three receivers, one tight end, one running back, virtually exclusively, more than any other team in the league. So they need three receivers on the field. Right now, their top three guys are Jay Adams, Randall Cobb, and Geronimo Allison. We know Allison is their number three guy because rookie receivers just don't contribute in the NFL, especially if they're drafted in the fourth round or later. All three of the guys the Packers added through the draft this year were drafted in the fourth round or later. Imagine, if you will, your ideal number three receiver season, probably getting something like 50 catches or so, right? Shoot for something like that. Since the year 2000, there have been seven rookie receivers drafted in the fourth round or later that have had 50 or more catches. And four of those guys played almost exclusively in the slot. The Packers have the slot taken care of. They're looking for a big physical outside receiver They need a big physical outside receiver. They need a guy that can win those contested catches. And if nothing else, Des Bryant has shown that he is still capable of doing that. He can win those catches, and I think he can do it better than Geronimo Allison, and he can do it better than these rookie wide receivers. Saying he's going to be a clubhouse cancer is a non-starter with me. Uh, That is so overrated as a concept. Show me a team that has really honestly really been negatively affected by a quote-unquote clubhouse cancer or a locker room cancer or whatever. No serious contending team has ever really been derailed by one guy who's a bad apple. And on an entirely different level, that that label gets thrown around in a lot of uncomfortable racially coded ways that we, we probably should unpack. You know who's 
you see a, a guy like Martellus Bennett called a, a cancer a lot of times. No, he's just a dope. He's an idiot. Everybody knew that when the Packers signed him. He really didn't destroy the locker room because everybody was aligned against him. They all saw, look, Martellus Bennett's a dope. We don't have to deal with him. A guy who is an actual locker room cancer is a guy like Richie Incognito who bullied his coworkers and would have gotten fired at any job outside of the NFL. That's what a locker room cancer looks like. Des Bryant is not that. He's a head case. People know how to deal with head cases. You know what you do? You ignore them. That's what adults do. He's not a cancer, and it doesn't matter even if he was. The Packers can deal with him. If they signed him, he would be fine, and chances are these rookies aren't going to work out anyway. Historically, day three receivers just don't. They don't at a high rate. If he causes one of these three guys to not work out, so be it. He'll help them this year. At the very least, he'll be better than Geronimo Allison, and he'll shore up one of their receiver spots. It would be fine if the Packers signed Des Bryant. We need to just say that's okay and move on. I was encouraged when I threw this up on the poll on Twitter this afternoon for our our audience that we had a pretty good response. First of all, a lot of people voted on this poll, but we were pretty much, I would say the consensus is that people would rather have Bryant than Geronimo Allison. Out of 107 votes, 69% said they'd prefer Bryant to Allison. So maybe there is hope for this situation after all. I don't know. What I do know is this. He's probably not going to sign in Green Bay. And if he did, it would probably be fine. How's that for a nice really firm note to end a podcast on because that's all I've got for you this week. I do appreciate you tuning in. It's been a lot of fun to talk with you these past couple weeks and uh, we appreciate the downloads. The support has been awesome. Uh, We've been getting a lot of of great downloads these past couple weeks. Uh, This really this past entire month and uh, so please uh, keep that up. You can connect with us as you always do at thepowersweep.com and on Facebook and on Twitter. You know how to find us in both of those places. If you'd like to reach out to us via email, you may do so at thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. Your support, as I have said, is always greatly appreciated. And if you would like to support us financially, you may donate at patreon.com slash thepowersweep or buy one of our fine t-shirts at teespring.com. Click the store link at thepowersweep.com to make your way to that particular uh, location. Freest and easiest way to support us is just by leaving us a review on iTunes. And uh, if you would be so kind, uh, just let other people know about all the content that we share uh, on a daily and weekly basis. Uh, it helps the entire program a lot. As always, any feedback you give us helps us make this entire operation better and helps all of us become smarter Packers fans. Smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we are all trying to be. I am John Meerdink. I have been your host. We will see you next week on Blue 15.